Psychiatric drugs don't always act as expected, as this tale of terpyramate reveals. Welcome to the Carlite Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003. I'm Chris Aiken, the Editor-in-Chief of the Carlite Psychiatry Report. And I'm Kelly Newsom, a psychiatric NP and a dedicated reader of every issue. In this month's Carlat Report, we reviewed a study whose results might seem a little counterintuitive. On the surface, it looks straightforward. The study tested topiramate, brand name Topamax, for obesity and schizophrenia, and the drug worked. One in four patients lost more than 5% of their body weight on it. But something else in the study might surprise you, certainly surprised us, topiramate improved both negative and positive symptoms of schizophrenia. Topiramate has a lot of potential uses in psychiatry, with small studies supporting its benefits in PTSD, borderline personality disorder, and a long list of disorders that occupy what we might call the compulsivity-impulsivity spectrum, OCD, bulimia and binge eating, possibly gambling disorder, and a few chemical addictions, alcohol, cocaine, and methamphetamine. But what holds topiramate back is its pejorative nickname, Dopamax. Around 1 in 10 patients complain of cognitive problems on topiramate, particularly memory and word-finding problems. Usually it's mild, but it can be severe. One patient we saw had a car accident soon after starting to pyramate that appeared to be related to visual spatial problems on the drug. Cognitive problems are particularly worse at doses above 400 milligrams. Most psychiatric and weight loss studies use doses of 100 to 300 milligrams, and in our practice, we try to stick to 100 to 200 to avoid the problem. These cognitive side effects are dose-dependent, so the first step is to lower the dose. You might be able to prevent cognitive problems by raising the dose slowly, such as titrating by 25 milligrams every week. And there's a scientific explanation for this. Rapid increases in topiramate cause a burst of memory-impairing, benzodiazepine-like GABAergic effects. In our practice, we've seen a big reduction in cognitive side effects since we started using these precautions about eight years ago. We still see cognitive side effects, but the rate is closer to what we see with gabapentin, and we no longer call it dopamax. But the idea that topiramate might help cognition, or at least negative symptoms in schizophrenia, that was news to me. To understand where people got the idea to use topiramate in schizophrenia, we have to turn to glutamate. Glutamate is the most abundant excitatory neurotransmitter in the brain. Its effects are complex and they depend on which brain region it's acting in and which of the three or four glutamate receptors it is binding to. But to keep things simple, it's low glutamate that is generally thought to contribute to schizophrenia. Ever since the birth of dopamine-blocking antipsychotics, psychiatrists have assumed that excessive dopamine is the cause of schizophrenia and psychosis. But a group of doctors from Germany had a different idea. When dopamine is blocked by antipsychotics, it turns out that glutamate rises. And that led these doctors to speculate 
that schizophrenia might be due to a glutamate deficiency. This was in the 1970s, before the advent of sophisticated neuroimaging. So they performed spinal taps on patients with schizophrenia to test their glutamate levels. And indeed, they were low, about half of what they saw in the normal population. They published their findings in 1980, but the paper was not widely accepted. In fact, it was widely ignored. No one cited their work until 10 years later. That's when the glutamate hypothesis of schizophrenia began to take flight, in the early 1990s, buoyed in part by the observation that a street drug known as angel dust could cause schizophrenia-like symptoms. Angel dust, or PCP, is a glutamate antagonist, and consistent with this glutamate hypothesis, it is thought to cause hallucinations by blocking glutamate. PCP not only causes hallucinations, but it also causes negative symptoms of schizophrenia, like affective blunting. That all happens after a single dose of PCP, but the problem can become self-perpetuating. About one in four people who experience psychosis after using PCP go on to develop full schizophrenia. So far, this is fairly straightforward. Blocking the glutamate receptor with PCP can cause psychosis. But how we get from there to topiramate is a bit more complicated. It involves downstream effects on GABAergic receptors and high levels of glutamate in the synaptic cleft that activate another glutamate receptor, the AMPA receptor. And when this one gets overexcited, it can damage nerve cells. Something called excitotoxicity. Don't worry if you're lost at this point, we're about to get back to clinical grounds, because that's what happened in 2001 when these convoluted effects inspired psychiatrists at Georgetown University to test topiramate in schizophrenia. They tested topiramate in three patients. Two of them had mild improvements in negative symptoms, and one of them got really better. He became more engaged, more self-aware and more socially appropriate on the drug. He lost that flat affect that is so characteristic of schizophrenia. And here's what the patient said about the change on the drug. I feel more chipper, and I have a lot more thoughts on topiramate. And after topiramate was stopped, he went back to his old ways, feeling like his mind was, quote, closed off, and that he was falling into a sleep. That's the opposite of what I imagine when I hear the word Dopamax. That case series inspired at least 12 randomized controlled trials, which tested to pyramid in schizophrenia and found equal benefits in both positive and negative symptoms, with a decent effect size around 0.4 to 0.6, similar to the effect we see with most psychiatric treatments. There are even studies in treatment-resisted schizophrenia. The average dose of topiramate was 165 milligrams a day, with a range from 50 to 300 milligrams a day. With 12 controlled trials leading the way, it's tempting to call topiramate an antipsychotic. But let's remember, it's an anticonvulsant. Actually, topiramate was originally developed in 1969 as a synthetic sugar for diabetes. 
our brains are wired to categorize things. And we even know where that organization takes place. It's in the temporal lobes. When the temporal lobe is damaged, patients might lose the awareness of whole categories, like the names of plants or the names of animals, while their other abilities, and even recognizing other categories, remains intact. This is called semantic aphasia, or sometimes category-specific agnosia. Categorization is a good thing, but when it comes to psychopharmacology, it can create a lot of mischief. Medications get their names from FDA indications and the randomized controlled trials on which those indications rest. But randomized controlled trials are only designed to tell us one thing about a drug, whether it has a certain effect, more often than placebo, in a specific population. SSRI antidepressants, for example, are actually much more likely to cause sexual dysfunction than they are to treat depression. But we don't call them sexual suppressors. We call them antidepressants. And even while they treat depression, they might also worsen mood in some patients, say in bipolar folks, or they might cause suicidal ideation in those under age 25. And those effects, while rare, might get buried in a controlled trial, especially if they're much rarer than the antidepressant benefits. And we see just that kind of paradox with topiramate. While the controlled trials were stacking up showing antipsychotic effects, a steady stream of case reports was suggesting that topiramate can cause psychosis. First in epilepsy, then in essential tremor, and then in the psychiatric population. And while these were only case reports, they wove a convincing tale of patients getting psychotic soon after starting topiramate and improving just as quickly as the drug was stopped. For example, Glenn Gabbard and Dana Kober described a 32-year-old man who was treated at the Menninger Clinic for OCD. After starting topiramate for weight loss, he became paranoid, believed he was the Messiah, and that he intended to sacrifice himself as directed by God. He also developed disorganized and illogical thought processes and a flattened affect. He appeared to be responding to internal stimuli. Dose reduction and respiridone therapy did not help, but the psychosis resolved when topiramate was stopped. The message in all this is that you gotta watch for paradoxical effects when you start topiramate. It could make psychosis better, and it could make it worse. As to why these effects are so complicated, we can't really say, but it might be because the neuroscience is complicated. It seems, after a lot of research, that it's not simply low glutamate that causes schizophrenia. High glutamate can cause psychosis as well. It's probably an imbalance of the receptors and their connections to other things that causes psychosis. Anyway, besides these paradoxical findings for psychosis and cognition, topiramate also has the potential to cause depression. I've certainly seen that in patients. Or in one randomized controlled trial, it treated depression. 
The hope is that we're going to identify patient-specific factors like diagnoses, age, gender, ethnicity, or maybe even genetics. They're going to help us predict which way the drug will act. But so far, even that has been illusory. If you've been knee-deep in the tapiramate research, you might have heard that tapiramate treats alcoholism, primarily in people with a certain genotype. It looked promising, but last year, two controlled trials tested the theory to no avail. Tapiramate helped people stop drinking, but it did not depend on whether they had this gene. But when it comes to alcohol, we at least see a more consistent picture with topiramate. I'm not aware of cases where the drug makes people drink more. If you are, please let us know. And we're going to close with some reassuring news on that front from a new real-world study of topiramate's effects on drinking. This was in a very large, diverse group of patients, almost 30,000, and they reviewed their electronic medical records. They found that topiramate was associated with reductions in alcohol use across all patient populations, regardless of the reason that it was prescribed. Drinking went down in patients who had alcohol use disorders as well as in those who did not. Got ideas you'd like us to cover on the podcast? Email asktheeditor at thecarlatreport.com or connect with us directly through LinkedIn, Chris Aiken, MD, or his Twitter handle at ChrisAikenMD. Dr. Aiken is posting one research study a day on those social media streams and listeners are sharing questions and ideas to improve the podcast. Get CME for this podcast by following the link in the show notes or subscribe to the paper journal online and get $30 off with a promo code podcast. Your subscription helps us operate free of pharmaceutical industry support. 